Hello and welcome. This is Raven's Fine Art. My name is Raven. This is the show where we discuss topics related to how to raise the world to a higher standard, starting with ourselves. We have been going through the book, Think and Grow Rich. So today we will be talking about the next chapter, which is called Organized Planning. But first I wanted to just make some uh, announcements about me and my own business, just so that you know I am practicing what I preach here on the show. I'm happy to announce that I have found a style. <laughs> I'm an artist and one of the things that's very important for artists and really for any business is to niche down and to figure out what exactly it is you want to focus on. So I love art so much. I've tried so many things, sculpting and printmaking and painting, drawing, whatever. Um, but I have niched down and found a style that I want to work with. I want to work with more muted colors, um, figurative. So I've changed my website to reflect that style. And I found a theme that I want to work with. I definitely want to hone in on the topic of racial harmony and social justice from a positive and uplifting angle. So I will be talking more about that um, in the next book that I choose for this podcast. Um, and I am continuing to learn and grow and expand my art. So that is an ongoing um, experiment, learning more about business and marketing. So things are trucking along. But um, in the meantime, we are continuing our discussion of Think and Grow Rich. Again, this is not about making a ton of money, although that is wonderful. What it mostly is, is about you becoming your very best self and handling money so that it isn't an ongoing problem and so that you can focus on more important things. If you're worried and upset and concerned and befuddled by money, then it is going to be very difficult for you to be your best self. So let's get into it. Stay tuned. All right, so organized planning. So this is a cool chapter. Uh, we are getting closer to the end. I think there's a couple more chapters left, maybe two or three, which I may condense. We'll see how that goes. This chapter was super long. I think it was like 60 pages. So that was a feat to get that read before I present this to you. Um, but the chapter is really good because it talks all about practical steps. So this is where we're getting into the nitty gritty. You can't ever get away from mindset altogether and personal qualities are going to come into play. But this is a chapter that focused more than any other on actual step by step steps. And I won't go over all of those because some of them are frankly outdated because obviously this was written by Napoleon Hill a long time ago. So a lot of the practices have changed, but the, the spirit of it remains the same and it's all very useful information. So the first point I wanted to go over was the mastermind. So I've brought that up in prior podcasts. Um, so he mentions it again here, practically how to get your mastermind. <clears throat> so first you're going to have to decide what you have to offer. That's the, really the most important thing because it's very easy to quickly go to, well, who do I want to get? 
but before you reach out to them, and it is good to first think about the right people and what you're actually looking for in a mastermind. And again, a mastermind is a collection of people that are focused on similar goals to you. And it, it really helps usually if they're in slightly different fields. Um, but it, that doesn't matter as much as they have to be of similar mindset in terms of, of being focused on success. Um, so you have to pick the people that you want, and maybe you do want only people in your exact field, or maybe you want people, a sampling of people from different fields. What's most important is that they have the positive mindset and that they are goal oriented, um, because that's going to affect the quality of your group. But after you think about that, the second most important thing is you have to decide what you have to offer because you cannot get something for nothing and you should not expect people to help you if you're not willing to do anything for them. And you may think, oh, well, this person is so successful. What could I possibly do to help them? But you would be surprised. A lot of the times they have, you know, they're very busy. They have a lot of burdens, but they will, successful people often will take the time out uh, to help you if they know that you're genuinely gonna put what they have to say into practice and if you come with the spirit of giving, so whatever it is that they might need, and you can even just ask them, is there anything that you need? Is there any way I can help you? People are always you know, looking for referrals, so whatever business that they're in, um, I'm sure they will not turn down referrals. So whatever it is, be creative, but think of what you have to offer practically and then also intangibly. Like, are you, are you funny? Are you good at coming up with ideas? Are you organized? Um, just take a personal assessment of what it is you would have to offer any kind of a group like this and have that in mind so that you have A, the confidence to approach the people that you want to approach, but also practically to know that you're going to have to give something if you want to get. Uh, number three, you're going to set up your meeting frequency. So decide how much time you have and how often you are able to meet. Um, in the book, Napoleon Hill recommends twice a week. I think that's difficult for most people given our modern situation and how far apart we are oftentimes. Um, but set up a, a frequency that you can keep up. So even if it's only once a month or even if it's only once a quarter, it's more important to be consistent than any particular time frame. Um, number four is perfect harmony. So you want to pick people that you can get along with and that are people that are easy to get along with. So sometimes people are very talented, but their personalities are just, it's just not worth it. And the, the success of the group is really going to depend on people cooperating with one another and genuinely liking one another. So keep that in mind. Don't just look at their skill set. Look at who they are as people and pick people that you can get along with. And lastly, when you, when you come up with the plans that you're coming up with for your endeavor, whether it's to get a better job or to start a business or what have you, um, run your plans by the group. That's the whole point of having a group. So don't be the stubborn person that you say you want a mastermind, but then when people give you advice or offer feedback, you get mad, you get upset, you blow them off. Like, don't be that person. Um, so run your plans by the group. Even if you end up doing what you think you should do and you, you're not taking their advice directly, 
make sure that you come with a spirit of willingness and a spirit to listen. And then of course, make your own decision. But that willingness to hear feedback from others is going to determine how much people give you. Because if people sense that you're not taking what they have to say seriously anyway, they may have a wonderful idea, but they won't share it with you because they figure, well, why should I waste my breath? They're not going to listen anyway. So keep that in mind. All right. So that was mastermind number two. So in this chapter, Napoleon Hill really goes over um, how important it is to respond to failure appropriately. So we discussed in, in a previous podcast that failure is only temporary defeat. Okay. And all it means is that Uh, It can mean a lot of things. Uh, A can mean that the plan that you set up wasn't sound. So there was some, maybe something missing, something you hadn't thought about um, that is causing you to experience this temporary defeat. Sometimes it's timing. So it's not a no, it could be just a not right now, like the timing isn't right for some reason. There are a myriad of other, of other reasons why you could experience a temporary defeat. Uh, but those are the top two is either timing or th- the plans that you made were not sound. So this is where your mastermind comes into play. You can discuss the matter with them. And if they are success minded people, they have experience with failure and getting up and trying again. So you're going to run that by them and they're there to lift you up and you're there to lift them up. So it's important not to get discouraged and not to take it seriously or take it personally. This is just part of the game. If you want to do anything, there's going to be challenges going to be hurled your way. Some of them are going to be completely unexpected and out of the blue. And how you respond to that uh, determines what you're made of. You know, it's almost like life testing you to be like, you want this? Are you sure you want this? Well, boom, how are you going to handle this? Boom, how are you going to handle that? And every time you step back up and every time you face down that difficulty and you put, put, you know, you puff out your chest and you're like, okay, you know, that happened. I can take it. I can handle it. I'm the kind of person that keeps moving forward. Okay. So this is who you're becoming. So becoming successful is not just about making a bag of cash. It's about who you're becoming. So the challenges and the temporary defeats are what show you who you really are. All right, number three. So Napoleon Hill goes over the 11 attributes of successful leadership. So he prefaces that by saying that there are leaders and there are followers and there's no shame in being a follower. We all start off that way but there's no glory in remaining a follower forever. So eventually you're going to want to be some kind of a leader in your field or industry uh, because that is what's going to help make you successful. So the 11 attributes of successful leadership and by successful, I mean, not by force, not by, you know, your parents own the company. So that's why you're in leadership. No, no, no. Successful leadership is earned leadership and a leadership that is cooperative and willing, voluntary. Um, people are following you voluntarily. You're not forcing anybody. So number one, courage. Number two, self-control. And self-control comes up a few times in this chapter, talking about 
your sexual urges, your drinking habits, you know, um, even food. So you want to be a person who has self-control. Number three is justice, having a sense of justice. People are not going to follow somebody who is unfair and unjust. Number four, definiteness of decision. No wishy-washy stuff. So you cannot be a leader if you are a wishy-washy ass person. You're going to have to become the kind of person who, and you can learn this skill, but you, you know, formulate your plan, you make a decision and then you execute. Okay. Definiteness of decision. Number five is definiteness of plans. So coming up with a plan, a sound plan, and not just winging it all the time, not flying by the seat of your pants. You can do that if you want to, but you're not a leader if you do that, because if somebody is going to follow you, they need to know where you're headed. Number six is the habit of doing more than you are paid for. Okay. So if you only do, if you're like, that's not my job, that's not my problem. So that kind of a person is not a leader. That person is an employee and not a good one at that. Do more than what you're paid for because this, the law of attraction is that the more you do, the more you're, um, the more value you have and thus the more money that you'll have. Number seven is pleasing personality. You want to be the kind of person that is easy to get along with because people are not going to work with people that they don't like long-term period. Number eight, sympathy and understanding. So when you're in a position of leadership, and this is whether you're a parent, whether you're a CEO, you know, even if you're a solopreneur, sympathy and understanding, even towards just your customers is very important. Being the kind of person that has empathy, can relate to people that, you know, isn't harsh, isn't judgmental, but somebody that a person can work with. Number nine is mastery of details. You've got to be the kind of person that doesn't just let things slip and slide, like because you don't want to deal with it or because you think it's boring, you just sort of hope for the best and don't pay any attention. Now, if you're not a, a very detailed pers person, if you don't have that kind of personality naturally, that's okay. You can hire somebody. Anytime you want to do something, you can always think about, there's a book called Who Not How. And I always ask myself that question when I'm stuck or when I, you know, thinking about a new endeavor, who, not how, who is it that can help you? So if you're not naturally good at details, that is not a good excuse. You can hire somebody or you can go to your mastermind and, you know, pick somebody that is detail oriented and run things by them. And they'll give you some good advice. Number 10 is the willingness to take responsibility. Okay. There is nothing worse than a leader who blame shifts onto their employees, their own failures. Okay. Even if something genuinely is your employee's problem or their fault, you hired them. So it's still the buck stops with you. And number 11 is cooperation. You've got to be the kind of person, again, going back to pleasing personality, but this is an even higher level of that is cooperation. You've got to be the kind of person that knows how to work with other people. Okay. All right. So another thing he goes over in this chapter is how to get the position that you want. So if you're the kind of person that you do want to work for a company, there's certainly no, you know, no worries about that. No problem with that. You can definitely be financially successful working for someone else. Um, and this is how you get the position that you want. So he gave one, two, three, six steps. Number one is decide exactly what you want. Okay. 
So when you're thinking about the kind of job, a lot of people first, they go looking at monster.com or, you know, one of those websites. You don't want to start there. Start with you. What do you want? And when you're thinking about what you want, think about all of it. Think about what kind of work you want to do. Think about what the title is that you want to have. Think about the um, qualities of the, of the type of job that you're doing. You know, what are your tasks? Who are you working with? What kinds of people are you working with? What kinds of companies are you, are you working with? Think about all of it. Is there air conditioning? Is there a water cooler? <laughs> and how much vacation do you have? You know, like, do they have volunteer opportunities? Think about every aspect of the job that you can think of first and foremost. Number two is choose the company. So a lot of times, again, people just sort of like look and see who's hiring. You don't want to do that because sometimes there's same companies are always hiring because they can't keep anybody because they, you know, they suck. So you want to choose the company. And even if they aren't, you know, hiring technically right now, a lot of times, first of all, they are because a lot of companies that are smart, they don't put their, um, they don't put their positions out there because they don't want a ton of people, you know, who may or may not be qualified contacting them. So sometimes they are hiring, but they just haven't posted anything. So choose the company that you want to work for and choose like a sampling of them. Like you can write down as many as you can, like 50 companies and really research them. Okay. That's the next step is study them, you know, and that'll help you when you go into your interview. Cause a lot of times people, again, they're just looking for a job and they aren't thinking strategically. So they don't even know anything about the company they're applying for. A lot of times they don't even remember the name of the company that they walked into. That's it. Don't do that. Don't be that person. Okay. Study the companies that you want to work for and understand why it's a match, why you want to work for them. Number four is analyze your offering. Okay. So similar to choosing your mastermind, think about what it is you have to offer this company. Why would they want to hire you? Why would they be better off hiring you than not hiring you? And don't be modest, like really seriously think about what it is you have to offer. And if you don't have anything to offer, then you know what you need to do. You need to work on developing the qualities that the kind of company you want to work for would want to work with you. Okay. Uh, number five is put it in writing. Okay. Put it in writing with care. So this is your resume. So when you're drafting your documents, like your cover letter and your resume, and even your reference list, you want to put some care into it, double and triple check it, have someone else look it over to make sure there aren't any um, typos or other logical errors that you might've missed. If you're putting dates on there, make sure they make sense. So really, you know, make sure that this is the, is pristine. And then lastly, uh, get to the person who is in authority. Now this is the hardest one because companies have gotten very lazy. In my opinion, everything is online. They just make you go through, jump through these hoops of filling out these questionnaires and it's all designed to like fake you out and weed out people that they think they don't want. And it's when I say it's lazy, it's, it's like, it's like the difference between dating online and meeting someone in person. So if you had some computer system, just sort of randomly weed out people based on, well, I want somebody that makes $50,000 a year or $80,000 a year or $200,000 a year. But then like, there's somebody so awesome that makes 199, you know, 
thousand dollars and you weed that person out because they don't technically meet that two hundred thousand dollar criteria and where that that isn't really the most important thing but you're sort of arbitrarily weeding out people and i think it's very lazy for companies to do that but i understand why they just have a lot of numbers a lot of people applying and so they think that this is the best way to go about it so the problem with that is that you're being weeded out by a system that doesn't know you. They, they're not talking to you. It's, it's totally faceless. So it's, it's very important if you can to get to the person who's actually in some sort of authority to hire you. And there's a book called 48 Days to the Work You Love that really goes over this in fine detail. And I'll, I'll put that in the notes so that you can access that. But that book really goes over like, this whole thing in detail, how to get the job that you want and how to access the person who has authority. Uh, something that my brother-in-law had done actually is he started going to networking um, events. And this is in Los Angeles. They had these networking events downtown in this fancy, you know, hotels. Um, and he kept doing that, you know, week after week after week. And it took him a long time, but he eventually found the position that he wanted. And he didn't have to, you know, go through these ridiculous computer systems. He was able to connect with somebody that had the authority to hire him or to recommend him. So that's what you want to do. All right, next in this chapter, it talks about how important service is to remain in business. And this is good for those of us who don't want to work for a company, but who want our own businesses. You, you got to make sure you don't fall down on this. I mean, customer service and I'm in America and I'm telling you customer service here is miserable. I used to tutor Korean students who lived in Korea and they don't play when it comes to service. I mean, service there is top notch and it's super fast here. It's almost like they just take customers for granted. I mean, you walk into a store. I was in Target actually yesterday. I couldn't believe it. The same guy, I've seen him there week after, I've seen him there. This is the third week I've seen him. Every time I see him, he's complaining about customers every time. And it's like, and loudly too. And, and I get there early, so I was the only customer around. Um, but he's just going on and on and on about how annoying it is, how annoying customers are, how annoying the job is. I mean, it's just, this is not creating an environment that people want to spend money in. And certainly if the owner of Target, see, that's the thing when you get to be so big, like a corporation like that, you lose that sort of that, that touch that a mom and pop business would have where the owner is is involved in what goes on. I'm sure if the owner of that particular target was there, he wouldn't be doing that. Because oh, another thing that the employee was going on about, oh, he hopes nobody shows up today. He's like, oh yeah, like maybe because it's Super Bowl, like maybe nobody will, will show up today. It's like the goal of a business is to have customers. So you don't want to wish that there's no customers <laughs> because if there's no customers, there's no need for your position as an employee as well. So anyway, the bottom line is that service is extremely important. So don't take your customers for granted. Don't fall down on, on that part because there's always competition. There's always other places that people can go and they don't need to do business with you. So once you finally win those customers over, don't abuse them by neglect. All right. Next is uh, a reminder of gratitude. So uh, in the book, this chapter, Napoleon Hill goes on and on and on about America and the opportunities that are here. And that is very important to remember. 
you know, being born and raised in America, it is easy to take for granted the opportunities that we have here and also to focus on all the flaws that the country has. And there are a lot of flaws, especially in terms of like racial justice and things of that nature. But all that aside, it is important to remain in gratitude, you know, for everything. And that includes where you're born. So if you are in America, I mean, you're especially blessed. I was listening to, they were talking about, it was for artists, some sort of artist uh, video or podcast. And um, the lady was talking about the country of Spain and that it's not easy to be an artist in Spain because you're not allowed to just like, like sell things on the street. Like here you can get a permit and you can like sell your work outside. Um, and you can even do it without a permit. Like as long as nobody says anything, like nobody really cares, but, um, it's not, it's not difficult to even to to get a permit and to sell your work outside here. You can go to fairs. There's so many ways to sell your work here, but, and people complain here, you know, but it's like, there's so much opportunity, but in Spain, you're not allowed to do that. Like you'll get fined. It's illegal. Um, and then if you do sell your work, you're allowed to sell us up to a certain amount online, but you still have to pay, like you have to pay the government. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And I feel really bad if you're an artist in Spain, you need to like make a long range plan maybe to get out of there or to, to try to change it. I don't really know. But if you're in America, like just be grateful because it's, it's really difficult to do business in other places. So, um, we need to remember that. All right. So the next thing is the key things to avoid at all costs. Now this is kind of obvious. Like if you just kind of take the opposite of the things that you should be doing, (laughs) but it's, it's good to remember because a lot of times it's easy to get lax and forget, like avoid these things at all costs. A not being definite. Okay. Being wishy-washy, being like vague, you know, no vagueness, be definite. Next is not being persistent. We talked about temporary defeat. Always remember that any failure is temporary defeat. Be persistent. Next is no self-discipline and no self-control. So it's really important to be a leader, to be a business owner, to be successful in general. You've got to have self-control. There's no Wolf of Wall Street. Like that's all well and good for a movie, but that didn't last in the movie or in real life. You can't be that kind of a person and expect to be successful long-term. Ill, ill health. It's very important to take care of your health because that is where your longevity comes from. Your ticket to life is the health of your body. So when that goes, everything else goes. So in the pursuit of riches and success, do not neglect your health. Next is bad personality. So a lot of times we just sort of excuse our faults because we don't feel like dealing with them. We just are like, well, this is just how I am. That's all well and good, but you can't be successful taking that attitude because people don't have to deal with you and they won't if they can get around it if you suck, okay? Um, Expecting something for nothing. Do not get in the habit of expecting something for nothing. And I don't know about other places, but certainly in America, this is a problem. Like a lot of people expect something for nothing because they sort of get used to the blessings and they think that it's their right and their due. And that's not true. Nobody ever owes you anything. I was listening to somebody complain online and this is a group. So I follow this group called Art Prof. They are a group that offers art education for free. 
And they're very proud to be able to do that. And it's high quality um, education because the person who founded it, she was a, a professor at the Rhode Island School of Design. And so the instruction is high quality, but somebody was complaining online because they started offering premium tracks that you have to pay for. And they are expensive, but it's like worth it. It's a small, small group and you get individual feedback by several instructors. So you will not get that even in art school. And I think it's like $900 for a few weeks, which is a bargain compared to, I mean, art schools are like a hundred grand a year, like 70 to a hundred grand a year. So, I mean, do the math. So, but this guy was complaining that it's not offered for free. And so I was pissed off. So I wrote back and I try not to bother with comments on YouTube because it's a cesspool and you know, the seventh circle of hell, the comment section of most YouTube videos. But this pissed me off enough to say something. I was like, you know, you're not owed anything. People are not obligated to offer you high quality anything for free. All right, next is making fear-based decisions. Avoid this at all costs. So when you feel that you are in an anxious or fearful state, there's no shame in that. Just don't make any decisions right then. Put it off until you can get your equanimity back, until you can come back into your right mind and then make your decision. But don't make decisions based out of fear. Next is picking the wrong mate, okay? If you pick the wrong partner to marry, you are going to curtail your success because that person is going to be there day in and day out, affecting your mindset and your mentality. So they may look good, but if they're not in the right place spiritually and mentally, you got to get rid of them. And I don't care. <laughs> you just, if you want to be successful, I mean, if, if you just say, well, I, I can't leave them. And so that's fine. I respect that, but you're not going to be successful. It's going to be very difficult because you're going to be carrying a hundred pound weight around all the time. And that's even if you're dating somebody, if you're dating somebody that's dragging you down, you got to take the steps to get out of there because, uh, or, you know, make the choice to just not be successful because you can't do both at the same time. Um, and similar picking the right business partner. So if you are going to go into business and take on a partner, you got to make sure it's the right partner. So you can do more when you have a partner, like I'm a solopreneur and I prefer that, but I would be able to do more with a partner, but you really, really got to vet that partner. Don't pick somebody that you like, just like that's the only qualification that they have is that you're, they're your good friend. They've got to be on the same page as you business wise. They've got to have self-control and discipline and all the other qualities we've been talking about because the friendship is going to go south if you, if you don't do that. Next is uncontrolled spending, lots of debt and no money management. So if you're in the position where you, you, you know, you don't know how to balance your checkbook, you don't, you know, your credit cards out of control. You don't like looking at your statements. You got to get all that handled before you do anything else, even looking for a better job because making more money is not going to help you. You've got a bucket with a hole in it. And until you get it plugged up, there's no point in making more money. And lastly is narrow-mindedness and prejudice. So certainly there are plenty of people who are narrow-minded and prejudiced and they achieve a certain amount of success, even the presidency of the United States, but you can't be a well-respected leader and you can't be successful long-term and, and you can't maximize your potential this way. 
if you are narrow-minded and prejudiced, then you're going to dismiss things that could be helpful, could be good ideas. You're going to not work with people who could, you know, maximize your business tenfold because you're going to be stuck in, you know, narrow-mindedness, prejudice, superstition, bigotry, all that kind of stuff is low vibrational and you cannot maximize your potential with that. All right. And the last quality that, um, or the last topic that was discussed in this chapter is regular self-analysis. This is really important and don't wait till the end of the year for new year's resolutions. Do it regularly. Like just take a step back, you know, hopefully by now you have a meditation practice. Um, but even if you don't just take time out where you really are thinking about where you're at and be very honest with yourself. It can feel difficult, but the truth will set you free. You want to be very clear on, you know, how are you doing in terms of, you know, pleasing personalities, self-control, money management, discipline, your health, you know, um, all that stuff. You want to take, you want to take account of where you are so that you can move forward. All right. So that is organized planning, um, which was a wonderful chapter, lots of helpful tips. Um, that is it for this week. Next week, we still have another chapter in the book. Like I said before, I believe we have maybe three more chapters and I may condense those. So we'll see. But in the meantime, have a beautiful and productive day and week, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.